Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right. Hey, no 30-second intro today. I hit the wrong button, but we're here. <laughs> it's the Ohioan with myself, uh, Craig, and Brandon. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Doing well. We need an intro. I mean, the 30-second intro is a, a nice chance for me to catch our breath and kind of think about the show. But we need someone to provide intro. So seriously, if you're out there, you want to play guitar, do a little theme song, that's fine. Um, I am about ready to ask people to do intros where they can say, hey, it's the Ohioan with and they introduce each of us. So it should be great. Well, yeah, thanks for joining us. It's a Monday. It's March 1st. Um, you know, big weekend over the weekend. Um, Brandon uh, is scaring me because he told me he had feedback from our Friday show where we discussed the best fast food in Ohio. What did you hear, Brandon? No, not feedback, but a follow-up story. Oh, um, so yesterday, my wife is out um, with family, and they, they go to Arby's, and guess what they were out of, Chris? Roast beef? Roast beef. <laughs> Holy crap. Which Arby's was this? Oh, probably one down in Grove City, the suburb Holy of crap. Columbus. Did, so, they give, did they give a reason? Like, were they like, hey, the truck caught fire on the way there, or? No, no, I don't. She never. She didn't mention any reason, but she texted her mom, and her mom thought, "You must be joking, right?" She's like, "Nope, all <laughs> they have is ham and turkey." And I'm like, "It's not mm. a surprise, people." Wow. Arby's, Arby's. Some for some reason, Arby's always runs out of roast beef, and so I, whenever you see a commercial like Arby's, we have the meats. Um, they should have a disclaimer afterwards. Disclaimer: not all the time. So, um, <laughs> so um, this has that, happened before. That, this is this happens every time I go to it. Almost every other every other time, not every time. Every hey. other time I go to an Arby's. Really? It's like go pull up to the drive-through. Sorry, we're out of roast beef. I'm like, uh, your business model yeah, is founded on on shake shakiness here. If you can't supply roast beef at least from from your op- opening hours, I don't know. And I I guess the pandemic's made it more severe, maybe, but I don't know. Well, it was like my story of Goofy Surf from 20 years ago about pizza running out of pizza. I mean, it's like when it's in your name. And and I, I guess roast beef isn't Arby's name, but roast beef's on the sign. I mean, it's clear what Arby's is about. You know what it's about when you go there, right? That's really strange. That's on the stop the show, Brian. I'm not sure how to continue after that. I'm like, really? <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> that's it. Have a good one. No, but no. That's, that's stuck. <laughs> Very shocking. Well, and we appreciate all the great feedback. Uh, I heard a lot of great messages, especially our hero, the Podfather, Patrick Flaherty, weighing in on his choice. Uh, I, I like this pick, something raising canes. I don't know what's wrong with Patrick, but no, it, it's good. Uh, <laughs> next time we have Patrick on, we'll have to talk to him about that. Uh, speaking of that, I want to give this guy a shout out. I'm not sure if I'll remember at the end of the show, to be frank. Uh, but over the weekend, speaking of former guests, uh, the great Randy Ludlow retired from the Columbus Dispatch. Um, Randy was very um, old school newspapery, I guess is the the best term for it. But you know, Randy did a great job. I think next later this month will be his last day, and a lot of really nice tributes to him on Twitter, Facebook, um, also on uh, the internal dispatch message board. A lot of people gave their thanks to him. And Brandon, you'll remember Randy came on this show a while back. He was yeah. talking about. Um, Covering pan- the pandemic, uh, covering Governor Mike DeWine, and yeah, a little bit of a grumpy guy to be honest. But hey, that's sometimes that makes the best reporters. You know, you got you got a question, and uh, he had a great career of doing that. So, 
Yeah. Um, and then over the weekend on our podcast, a lot of content. Uh, I'll be honest. Last Monday, I did way too many interviews. I'm trying to catch up and get these all posted and everything. So we had everything from Craig talking about the Golden Globes. How was that last night? I didn't even get to see it yet. Um, I didn't watch the entire episode or the entire show. I had I'd fallen asleep, uh, but I think I did okay, but not very good. I'm, I'm not okay. usually a huge fan of the Golden Globes anyway. I'm more of an Oscars guy, but, uh, you know, I, I, it's been a while since we've seen an awards show, so I got a little itchy last week, and I wanted to preview it a little bit. And, and you got another review, and I, I feel bad it hasn't been posted yet, but will be posted this week. Again, we just have a humongous glut of interviews we're trying to get out. And, and we're trying, I think for a while last week we were doing three podcasts today. I'm trying to get two on the, our website. Not trying to overwhelm people, but it, it's been crazy. I, I will tell you, if you like tons of content, if you want right away, definitely check out our uh, podcast player page. Um, it's hosted on Anchor. But you can subscribe on very various, um, you know, Spotify. Um, boy, I'm forgetting my podcast <laughs> catchers. Um, you know, Spotify. Uh, help me out, Brittany. You Google, know, Apple. Uh, Spotify, yeah. Apple, Google, right? Um, uh, Stitcher. That's Brandon's Stitcher uh, podcast of choice. Yeah, we're on all those. It's actually Google now, but <laughs> right. And, and what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to release it first um to all the podcast providers and you'll get on the blog later in the day but yeah just kind of behind the scenes stuff uh lots of stuff going on i think today uh we had laura to kessel she was talking about seinfeld we were talking about the bris oh man lots of stuff going on oh and also too um our review podcast that we're doing with uh, paul and uh, Joe, over the weekend, we also posted the infamous Titanic 2 episode. So, guys, if you need a bad movie to watch today, maybe while you're working, put on Titanic 2. It's free on YouTube, and it is a freaking mess. What, so. what, what did Bob have to say about the other film, Namaland, or Nam, or whatever that... Uh, Nomadland? Nomadland, yeah. yeah, excuse me. Well, it was weird because it just happened to be... Uh, Bob usually reviews like two movies a week, and he liked Nomadland... Um, you know, with uh, Francis McDormand, for some reason, and it, coincidental, but there was another movie called Land <laughs> and on the same weekend. He did yeah. not like Land, but he liked Noma Land. And you oh, know, it, we were talking a little. It's strange how movies go because usually when he, when Bob talks about a movie, it's new to theaters. But because you know we're in the pandemic now and everything, you know, it got released to Hulu. You know, Brandon and I are Hulu fans. We wa- we were able to watch on Hulu. Have, have you seen that yet, Brandon? I have not, no, but uh, I've heard of it, so I was curious if it was any good. Um, I came across, like, uh, um, Amazon had, like, a film out not too long ago, like, uh, the world map, the map of perfect tiny little things or something like that. Hmm. Um, I tried to watch it, and the premise was interesting, but it was just, the execution was kind of boring, so I didn't get to finish it, so. It is crazy. And I think it's because of the, the pandemic. There's so much out there. I mean, we almost have to come up with yeah. a list of saying, okay, the next time you get, have a chance to watch something, here's what you, you watch next. Because Nobody Land looks interesting. Um, coming to America. I wasn't a super big fan of the first one. But Coming to America 2 is coming out on Amazon Prime. And there's like an avalanche of stuff for you to you know listen to and watch. And again, we're... Yeah, I've been thinking about this for the weekend. Again, thank you to everybody checking out our show each week. Because especially during this time, there's a billion other things you can watch. Um, there's a podcast I subscribe to that I might unsubscribe to. Not because I don't like the podcast. I just don't have enough time in the day. I mean, there's so much stuff on TV. There's so much great podcasting out there. And thank you for checking us out. We, we appreciate it. And we're doing our best to give you a lot of content to do. And keep checking us out. Um Love all the people who check our links on the website and everything's good. Man, we, we've got a ton of uh, promos there. we got to actually get to the show, guys. Um, one that started out, guys, I shared with you this over the weekend. It's not just Ohio story. It's based all over the country. But I thought it was interesting. Um, Costco. What's the closest Costco to Columbus? I'm not a big Costco shopper. Is there one in They almost have the four corners, one up really? in Dublin, okay. one up in um, Westerville, Polaris area, and the one in Easton. Some us four corners, maybe not. Okay, but um, 
Craig's like the suburbs, man. <laughs> it's like, is there a Costco <laughs> near Fremont? Or? Uh, yeah, there's Costco's, you know, Toledo area, Cleveland area. So yeah. Okay. So it's so not in the immediate. Uh, no, Fremont, no, no not in the immediate area. No, I, well, I've we, never been to Costco to be honest with you, but yeah. Now, if Costco wants a Craig shopper, put a Hardee's nearby because we found out on Friday's show, Craig will drive <laughs> hours to go Hardee's. So hey, I'm telling good. you. You don't want to sleep on that breakfast. Definitely. Well, the reason why we're bringing up Costco is um, there's a debate in the um, federal government and the legislatures and everything uh, talking about the should the minimum wage be increased. And what is the minimum wage now? Is it like seven eighty five or is it eight seventy five? Trying to figure out what um, that is. It could be like around seven fifty or seven twenty five, maybe in the okay. federal. Ohio, of course, is has a um, more of a. I think they have an increase based on inflation, I think, every year. So it's now somewhere above $8, I believe. Okay. Um, and other states, other states have their own, so, which yeah. are higher or or match the uh, federal. Yeah, and uh, President Biden is talking about making it $15. And that's something that's interesting. Uh, I think it's got a decent chance of passing because um, you know, of the Democrats. You know, they have control of the Senate and the House and everything. But I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of political arguments uh, nearby with it. But it's interesting. Some of these companies are taking it on their own hands. Um, Costco announced that they're going to make their minimum wage 16 bucks for anybody who works there. And then they're also saying it's, you know, there, there's an average of 24 bucks an hour. Now, again, I'm sure there's some corporate people involved and everything else. But, you know, Brandon, my understanding now is if you're a bagger at Costco, you're going to be making 16 bucks an hour. Uh, the reason why I bring this up is I think it's interesting. I think so many times we look at some of this stuff for a political football, and you have to. And politics is a big part of what we're doing right now. But it's interesting to say that companies are actually taking the bull by the horns and saying, okay, no matter what happens on a federal level, let's do it with our company. I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, Costco's always been kind of ahead of the minimum wage game anyway. I mean, this isn't anything new. Um you know, and even at Amazon warehouses, you they're uh, excuse me, I got a little bit of allergies. Um, the um, um, uh, the minimum wage, the wage, the basic pay was fifteen fifty an hour. They actually added two dollars during the pandemic. I don't know if they still do that, but so really, they're just trying to attract. You know, they want to attract people. They want to attract a workforce, and they want to, you know, offer the best wages they can. Um, I want to point out, though, that um, the, as far as the political football goes, it's really, I mean, um, just the minimum wage doesn't tell the whole story. It's its really about these kinds of jobs that are usually um, uh, available. They don't offer, they don't offer, these are the kinds of jobs that don't offer, like, work-life balance. They, they don't really offer... Um, um, you know, they're very stressful jobs. Usually they can also be, um, 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 you're dealing with and often customer service related, which if you've gone to, if we're all guilty, maybe if we've all gone to a, um, uh, one of these kinds of businesses, whether it's Costco, McDonald's or whatever, um, you know, and if we had had a complaint with an order or a mistake, I mean, and we got angry, I mean, that's, that's what these people have to put up with. Um, maybe and we're maybe not you either, but you know I've been on the receiving end of that, and I was working at a minimum wage job. So um, they're not easy jobs. And anyone who says that um, a person who's working forty hours a week on average um, doing these kinds of jobs and uh, shouldn't have access to a basic basic guarantees of life such as food, water, and shelter, and uh, maybe uh, maybe maybe some money for popcorn and theater movie while going to a theater once in a while with the kids. Um, you have you have a very warped sense uh, of uh, values, in my opinion. So the do- job itself is taxing. I, it's just kind of my my mantra. So great for Costco to be ahead of be ahead of the game. I love to see though more companies that are corporate corporation level uh, follow suit. Well, and Craig, I, you know, looking at the opposite view. You know, there's businesses out there that say, holy crap, I'm paying my customer or my employees minimum wage. If it goes up to $15, $16, whatever, holy crap, my, um, what do you call it, the uh, 
the monies I pay out, they're going up. I'm not going to make money. I might go out of business. But shouldn't, as employees, their minimum wage, shouldn't we just say, okay, if that happens, there might be less employees. We'll have to work harder, but I can make it worth it to justify that pay. And for a customer, like I, I read somewhere where somebody's like, oh, my God, the $10 pizzas are now going to be $15. Well, shouldn't the customer realize that and say, hey, I'm willing to pay a little bit more for the opportunity for people to make a livable living? Yeah, I mean, I think there's arguments both ways to be made either way, but I don't think the argument to say business like, oh, our costs are going up. Well, shouldn't that be understanding both ways? Yeah, I mean, I you know, and I've seen economists and other people just say, you know, we, we've seen raises in minimum wages in other you know states and other areas of the country and we have not seen you know skyrocketing prices on you know items and merchandise and and it's it's hard to say if that wouldn't happen you know overall if if the country's minimum wage went up but you know i think people are willing to spend more money and it's i don't think it's a gouging situation either where you're going to see you know pizzas go up by five dollars or you know you you see inflation anyway as it is with you know items you know a loaf of bread for instance or a gallon of milk never used to be three dollars a gallon or whatever it may be so you know you see that all the time anyway with inflation i don't know that you can pinpoint that you know raising minimum wage or you know if um if costco employees were already making you know 14 dollars an hour i don't i don't know exactly what costco prices are but it, it seems as though people are very excited to shop there so you know is a, is another dollar or two going to really you know or the the average is actually 24 dollars an hour for you know employees is it really going to impact the prices that they already have right now if if they're really only going to be going up a a dollar per hour i don't know and i don't know if it's going to you know from the other side i don't know if they're going to have to you know reduce force because they've increased salaries because i i don't think that this is the great the greatest time to reduce force even if you're justifying it with giving other people raises so you know, I, I would doubt that Costco would say, "Well, now we got to cut five people or half of our staff or a third of our staff because we've, you know, decided to give raises." So, I, I think that uh, you know this sounds just like a, a pretty nice reinvestment into the into the you know employees from Costco's perspective. Well, and Craig, I look at I mean, look at our field journalism. I mean, you know, there's been less people in what we're doing that than when we started, and we figure out a way of making it work and it stinks and, you know, we don't like it, but, you know, we say, Hey, you know, we find a new way of doing it and we do it, you know, and if we get tired of it, we go find something else to do, you know? So, I mean, I, I think there's, it, it intrigues me. And, you know, I, I'll tell you too, and I'll mention this again, another question for you guys. That's why I don't look at, like looking at things from political context. Like, if you really want to know where I'm at politically, I'm a moderate. But I like to look at these issues without the big R and the big D, just saying, hey, how does it make sense for you as a customer? And I, I really dislike how people look at this and say, well, I've got R by my chest, so the minimum wage should be 2 bucks an hour. Or if I have a D by my chest, the minimum wage should be 50 bucks an hour. No, just look at what works best for the customers. I, Brandon, I'm thinking about this, too. Um, do they have uh, baggers at, at Costco, or am I? Uh, I don't really think, no, they don't. Um, when okay. I, um, usually it's, they got rid of bags, actually, at Costco. Um, really? everything goes back in the cart. Uh, you can, if you want. Um, okay. I don't, we just put it in the back seat. We don't get really Costco really doesn't I mean you can get boxes if you want, but you know, um, I'll usually like, if I did need a bag, I could go in the house and get one, but it's usually all fits in nicely in the back seat of my car. Um, and, um, what, what um you, yeah, it's not a big deal. Well, the reason why I bring it up is if it's Costco, if it's Wendy's, you know, or anything else like that. You know, my wife's like, I can't believe the customer service is bad. I'm like, hey, if you're paying somebody eight bucks an hour to work at 10 o'clock at night in downtown Columbus or wherever we end up going, what do you expect? I mean, yeah, you should be a good worker enough where, you know, even if you're volunteering, you should work your hardest. But people don't want to work for that. I mean, I'm kind of wondering, Brandon, if, you know, hey, if they're paying somebody 15 bucks an hour, 
do you have a better chance of getting your hamburger made right? Or do you have a better chance of getting your eggs in your bag without them being broken? I, I mean, I, I think it might still a better workplace for everybody or a better quality of work by some people. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the debate there. I mean, it kind of like, you know, my mother worked in the fast food industry for 20 years and one can argue she should never have done that. Um, and that these jobs were really just meant for the high school student, the um, college kid. Um, they're stepping stone kind of jobs or jobs just to kind of pay, help pay any bills you have or save money for college or, 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 you know, bring income in. They're not meant to be careers necessarily. But I think the what people need to realize is more that some people just don't have skills to thrive in the current market. Like when you don't have those market related skills or the market necessary skills, you know, you just need a paycheck at the end of the day. And right. I think um, it's important for an employee to be able to, if they're work, if they're putting in 40, an average 40 hours a week, and I say average, like just, you know, make some exceptions for like sick days and maybe at least two weeks of taking time off to go out and recharge your batteries and, get, uh, and you know, whatnot. Um, I think, you know, they should be, they should be paid a living wage. Um, right. And I think, um, the biggest thing that Democrats, I think, are make, are kind of missing the ball on is they just want to raise, do a blanket, raise the $15 minimum wage on all businesses. You, you're talking about the customer perspective, but small and pop, mom and pop businesses, you know, they will get hit hard by this. And they're, they've some have come out and said, look, this will hurt our business. I think another factor we're missing, too, is I think restaurant workers are even actually paid at a lower minimum wage, like $4 or something. And they make yeah, most of their money. Tips. So I think... I think um, with that, there needs to be a discussion on changing the tipping culture in America because right now it's right. it's going it's it's convoluted and confusing at times. And uh, with DoorDash and Uber Eats, where they're now asking you for tips up front, it's almost like I'm I'm not really tipping based on performance anymore. It's um, I think they should probably look at maybe doing something like a for restaurant workers, particularly doing at least a uh, um, a fifteen percent minimum required by law kind of gratuity added on. And if there's any issues with, with the service or with the order, you, you take that up with management and they'll take care of you as appropriately. And if you're not satisfied, go take your business elsewhere. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the, um, my, where my thinking's at is the one size fits all minimum wage isn't really helpful, but I do believe big co companies like, uh, Walmart and Costco should be paying their workers, um, uh, a living wage. Well, and Craig, you know, Brandon's right. I mean, I think we got to look at it from the employer side, but I think employers can make adjustments. I mean, I'm with you, Craig. I don't think they're going to jack up their prices that much, but obviously employers are going to have to make some type of adjustments because of this, because, you know, you're talking about almost a doubling of the minimum wage. So there's going to be a cost involved, but I don't know. I trust employers to make it work. I mean, if you're paying a buck or two more for some items or if you kind of redistribute how you know where people are working at where you may have less people covering it but i don't know i mean hey it's like during the pandemic you know you find different ways of running your business to make it work i mean i i, I think it's possible huh yeah i think you know really the mom and pop shops are, the, are going to be hit the hardest by that um you know obviously you, you don't want to speak for anybody's business because you know when you make money who wouldn't want to make the most money that you can make so obviously McDonald's or whoever these, you know, you know, employee employers are that are paying employees the bare minimum wage, you know, obviously they're, they're doing it for a reason, but, you know, like for in Costco's situation, you know, this is a, a bump obviously, but it looks like it's not some huge drastic bump to the point where it's like, wow, we, you know, we need to charge now everything in the store is going to go up by a few dollars or 50 cents or whatever it may be. So, you know, based on if you're already paying people uh, a pretty good wage, like, like Costco is, or, you know, in the story, they even mentioned Hobby Lobby's uh, minimum wage is $17 an hour, which is like really good. So, you know, I, I think if you're already paying people a higher minimum wage, I don't think, you're going to be impacted as much by if the federal minimum wage goes up. Cause if you're already paying people $14 an hour, then you've already decided that you're going to reinvest as much as you can into your employees compared to other people that are paying the bare minimum wage. So 
Um, you know, I, I think there'll be adjustments. You know, you'll, you'll probably see some rises in prices. But who here has not, you know, been going through the store at, one, at some point or another and seen one of their favorite items go up in price? Or, you know, whether yeah. it's during the pandemic or otherwise, it just, you know, or maybe, oh, that used to be $5 and now it's $8 or whatever it may be. We don't like it, but, you know, if you like the product and you like the service, you're going to usually spend more money. You know, one of the more interesting things, too, about how this minimum wage could impact poverty levels, too. You know, we obviously have, you know, uh, standards for poverty levels and, you know, maybe bumping it up to $15 a minimum wage might take some people off of government assistance and things like that. So that could be another factor that, you know, could be intriguing here with how that might impact government assistance and, you know, how many people are getting benefits from that. I kind of wonder, too, how it affects that next <clears throat> Um, group of in terms of salary wise, uh, and not to make fun of a current company, it's fine, but you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, we always joke about how we don't make that much in newspapers. Well, I'm, I don't think the minimum wage increase is going to jack up everybody's you know, salaries at my company or brand's company, but it'll be interesting to see. I wonder how people who make more than even that $15 minimum wage is going to be like. Hey, maybe I should make some more because I'm making, let's say, fifteen fifty an hour. You know, and that used to be way above the minimum wage, and now I'm almost at the bottom of the scale too. But again, I think that's something that needs to be figured out, and it's like any time you want to have a discussion about increase of your supervisor at work. You know, you just say you justify it and say, "Hey, I'm worth it." And I know I, I think the best thing I keep on preaching is to journalists and friends, and everybody else, be adaptable in the workplace and understand that if the minimum wage goes up, changes are going to have to happen. But be adaptable, learn how to work hard, and do well with it. You know, and and, and you you could be great. And and that's again going back to my point about politics is. This is something that I think is going to be coming. And again, no matter if you have a Republican or Democrat by your voting record, make it work for you. And I think a higher minimum wage can make it work. It's not going to be the death. Um, I I was telling Brandon Craig over the weekend, I was watching some of the CPAC um, conference, and, and they always talked about, oh, all these things are horrible. It's going to bring the death of America. No, you adapt. You adapt, you make it work. And you, you find ways to make it work for you if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I mean, I, I think these things could really help. So, well, hey, l- let's move on to our, our next topic. I figure since we're the Ohioan, we're an Ohio podcast, we talk about Ohio stuff, we should briefly mention this. Um, I guess this is the uh, – Brandon, you're saying you haven't heard about this, and I haven't heard about this that much either. There's, like, great Ohioan awards, and these are done through Capitol Square. Uh, they announced their nominees over the weekend. I uh, got Larry Doby, uh, who was the first um, a- African-American player in the American League. He played for the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Tony Morrison, uh, we put her on our, uh, you know, Ohio's Mount Rushmore. And Carl Stokes, uh, who was a Cleveland politician. I, it was interesting, Brandon. I, I don't know what you think about the list. I didn't even know they had a list of great Ohioans. I thought it's kind of cool to do this. Yeah, it's neat. Um I, I love how um, um, it's basically it was a Mount Rushmore before we did our Mount Rushmore. So, <laughs> right. um, you know, um, Shish, we should have looked at this award recipients and then maybe say this is a requirement here. You have to be get to the Great Ohio Award to be eligible for a Mount Rushmore. But um, um, that's OK. I think we did pretty well, actually, given uh, some of the people who've already got the reward. So, um, yeah. Yeah, apparently it's on the lower level of the state house, and it's closed because of the coronavirus. But I, I guess, Craig, this is the closest thing we have to Ohio Hall of Fame. Now, I'm still up, and I, I'm waiting to hear from DeWine's office. Uh, Craig, put me in touch. We, we want that $50 million because of our Mount Rushmore idea that's going to bring in tons of money into Ohio. Man, can you imagine all the restaurants would be there? Brandon, I bet there'll be an Arby's open up right by there, too. It'll be fantastic. And it'll be Arby's always has the roast beef. But, you know, but, but yeah. But, I'll be right back. You know, at the State House, they have a museum, okay, which is great. I guess it's Ohio's Hall of Fame. But you got to go to the State House and everything. Um, I, I don't know, Craig. Uh, I, I think this is kind of interesting. Uh, they were talking about the other nominees. Uh, they were saying that Neil Armstrong and Rutherford, Rutherford B. Hayes was a Hall of Famer. 
Yeah. I, yeah. We didn't think that much about Rutherford B. Hayes. I can't even say the name without stuttering a little bit. Well, I yeah, I mean, he's got the first uh, presidential library and museum, which is in Fremont. I cover it. It's a beautiful uh, museum. They've actually renovated over the last few years, uh, done some upgrades, and uh, provided some interactive uh, content. They have a lot of cool exhibits there uh, throughout the year. Obviously, they've slowed down quite a bit because of the pandemic. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Hayes was uh, – you know, I, th I think most people think of him as sort of a forgotten president, but, you know, he's he's all you know, he's also a lawyer and, you know, he did a lot for civil rights. And, you know, so he's not just that one term kind of forgotten president. So I think he earned his spot in that great Ohioans list uh, just on the strength of being a president, but also, you know, fighting for liberties as well. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I think we actually did pretty good with our Mount Rushmore. You know, I, I'm seeing you know, um, you know, Tony Morrison's obviously in there or going to be in there. Um, but, um, you know, Jesse Owens was in there as well. So, you know, I think, uh, I think we did a pretty good job of, of narrowing down the, the Mount Rushmore and, and didn't have, you know, didn't have anything that was out of the ordinary. Yeah. I think we went a lot more pop culture. I'm looking at this list of great Ohioans and there's a lot of people that don't immediately spring their mind, which, Kind right. of makes me think it's more historical. I mean, Rufus Putnam. Yeah, was, yeah, I thought that was. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's some people that I've just simply never heard of, but you know, I think it's uh, it's interesting because you get a chance to to click on a name and and see who these people were, and and maybe you didn't know, you know, you didn't know who they were, but now you get a chance to find out about them and and maybe what their contribution to Ohio was, or you know, maybe find out that someone interesting was from Ohio. So, you know, most people might not know, you know, some of these people were Ohioans. There's not that many Ohio podcasts out there. And uh, if you do a search, a lot of the Ohio podcasts are more about specific things like Ohio State football and everything. We're your full service Ohio podcast. Yeah. So, you know, for those of you out there, I'm sure you are listening and thinking, man, Craig, Brandon, and Chris need to be a great Ohioans, which, hey, <laughs> I'm open. Well, uh, well let's, look at the, let's look at the criteria because there is a list. Maybe we should link to it in case <clears throat> anybody has a great idea to nominate us. Yeah. Uh, you got to be individual Ohioans or a group of Ohioans, that's us, okay. who have made a significant and lasting contribution to the world. Well, we have given you the Ohioan, whatever significance I yeah. mean, good night. I mean, that qualifies. Yeah, we are almost two months in, so let's 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 make it happen here, guys. Um, born in Ohio or lived in Ohio for a minimum of five years. Uh, you're born in Ohio, Craig, correct? I'm born and raised in Ohio, yeah. Brandon is from, uh, well, was born in California, but he, can, he I know he's been in Ohio for at least five years. We'll yeah, he certainly, he certainly meets the criteria, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so Brandon reaches a, meets that criteria. Uh-oh. This is where we could be in trouble, Craig. At least 25 years have passed since the event in which the nominee participated is being commemorated. Oh, wow. So, so I, I, we started this in January. I mean, I guess Brandon and I have been doing a podcast together, but it really hasn't had the Ohioan yeah. criteria. So it's 2021. So 2046. So yeah. put your nomination now because obviously with 2046 <laughs> – will be on NBC and all these other places. It'll be great. Yeah. But so we're 25 years away, Brandon. I was all excited. I mean, Craig, yeah. sorry, I got you even getting your name wrong. When, when Brandon great. gets, when Brandon gets back here, we'll, we'll give him the great news that we're going to be in the great Ohioans list. Okay. Oh, and here's another thing that'll be interesting. There is a compelling reason why the Ohio state house rather than some other location, in the state should be the location of the award or commemorative work. Now that's interesting. Wow. Well, uh, uh, Brandon, just to catch you up, um, obviously I was listening any, to the whole thing. So. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, any of our listeners have got to be thinking Gray Ohioans, Brandon, yeah, Craig. We're gonna. We're already in, yeah. Chris. But but I think we're in. The problem is our our great work would be obviously the creation of the Ohioan, which technically didn't happen. Well, December is when we talked about. It. We had some behind the scenes meetings. So if you look at that. Our debut was early January, so 2046 is when we're going to be nominated, Brandon. I don't know if I could wait that long. I'm impatient. I don't know if I'm going to wait 25 <laughs> years for something. 
And the other thing, too, I mean, like we were just talking about, you have to say that the state house is where you should commemorate your work. Well, we talk about state house stuff. I mean, you know, we talk about Mike DeWine and his tall wife. So, I mean, I think that qualifies. Um, I think that's a good argument when we make our pitch to Dan Tierney and Mike DeWine about how we should get the marketing money. Because, again, you know, give us a 5% cut of the $50 million because we came up with Ohio's Mount Rushmore. So we can sit there and say, not everybody's going to be flocking to the Ohio State House to go to this Ohio Museum. They've got to go to Southeast Ohio and see yeah. on the dunes or wherever where the, where the you know, Ohio's you know, monument's going to be. So, so I think even though we can't get nominated to 2046, I think the very talk about who the great Ohioans should indicate that we need to have an Ohio Mount Rushmore. So we can make this work for us, right? Craig, are you taking notes? Yeah, I, I think um, yeah, I, I think we're we're in good shape here. We're I've got the notes down. I think we're okay. gonna have to, we'll have something at least fifty times a day. I'm checking for that email that you're saying to Dan Tierney that's co- copied to Brandon and I with all all this stuff. Well, I can copy you guys. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I probably should hold my breath. Is that what you're saying? No, <laughs> I, no, I've, I've, I've heard that from people. Oh no, I'll reach out to him. Okay, all right. We'll, we'll see. It should be good. What's so. the worst he's going to say? Stop talking to me? I don't, you know. <laughs> a lot of people have said that to me. I've heard, I've heard worse. I've so heard many worse. people. Yeah. Chris, will oh. be our stand-in. Chris will be our stand-in as the uh, for Crazy Horse statue. You know, like, he'll just like, <laughs> have, like a pose, like with arms crossed. And, yeah. You know, it'll be it, it's not complete yet, but it will be one day. <laughs> what? Yeah. It'll be interesting. So. <laughs> I stand pressed all right. So, well, this is good. We we've nominated ourselves for Great Ohioans. We just have to wait twenty five years. I'll be seventy one at that time. Ooh. I, I don't know if I'll make it to seventy one. Oh, so, uh, it might be a posthumous. You, you know, like <laughs> my wife or maybe my you know kids could step in and like, accept it in my behalf. I don't know. It'll be it'll be wild. All right. Well, a couple kind of interesting stories of uh, this weekend with the Columbus Dispatch. They're subscriber only. And it's a great reason to subscribe to the Columbus Dispatch and a local home paper. A lot of great deals, a lot of impactful stories. Um, I, I thought this was interesting. Archie Griffith, which um, is probably, if not Mr. Ohio State, probably would be on Ohio State football's mouth much more to say the least. He won two Heisman trophies. And it was interesting. He was talking to the dispatch columnist, uh, Rob Oler, over the weekend, sharing his own story. I mean, he grew up in Columbus in the Linden neighborhood. That's a tough neighborhood. It's not the easiest neighborhood to live in. Uh, but he got hassled by a police officer. Now, you might say, holy crap, who would hassle Archie Griffith? He's an icon. Well, Archie was in high school at the time. And I think he's sharing the story to say, look, it happens. It's real it's serious. And again, we spent a lot of time ripping the Columbus Police Department over the past couple of weeks. But I think in general, I don't know, I guess, Brandon, my takeaway from this is this stuff happens. And if you're the Columbus Police Department, if you have other people, you just, racism is gross, disgusting, and and, and it's it's there. And, and you know, we got to do something about it, I guess. I, I, that was my takeaway. I, it just kind of sad and shocking that, you know, it's happened to a lot more people. And again, Archie was telling a story that happened a long time ago, but still, it's it was very sad to read. Yeah, every every almost every Black American probably I, I don't I mean probably every Black American, but I don't want to necessarily speak for all. It's just or you, but I'm sure they all have a story. At least everyone I've meet, you know, has a story. Um, I remember when I was up in reporting in Delaware, Ohio, like a black pastor. Um, just told me about how he was driving a brand new car he got and his wife told him to go five miles below the speed limit. Like almost a reminder. I think he said like, um, cause it was a new car. Um, you know, it's just kind of sad that, that that's kind of like a reality for them. Um, and that definitely these conversations are necessary to have, um, going to, if for an order for our country to go forward. Um, but yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I don't know about you guys, but I'm seriously, and I'm not just saying this for shock value, I'm getting flack myself. Um, You know, we talk about what we share online and everything. Well, guys, the one thing about this podcast is four hours each week of us 
talking about stuff. It's out there. So people listen in and say, why are you saying the things we're saying? you're saying? I mean, are you advocating some social justice thing? I'm not advocating anything. I'm just advocating a thing saying, look, if you're not white, you there have been documented examples about how your life is not the same. And I don't know if it's let's change our, the way our whole society is, but let's just, if it's police or how we look at other people of color, let's treat people with respect. Let's treat people like we want to be treated ourselves. And it doesn't matter if you're white, black, you know, Chinese, Asian, I mean, whatever race or anything, if we treat other people like respect, we won't have this problem. Um, Craig, what do you hear in general? Well, you know, I, I mean, this is, you know, I just did a story last week that published Saturday on, you know, minorities, you know, skepticism about getting vaccines while there are many minorities who are trying to, you know, advocate for the vaccine. You know, there's still a lot of stigma, you know, from especially African-Americans about trusting medicine and trusting the government after, you know, multiple situations where they were taken advantage of. And, you know, it's sad to see a story like this from Archie Griffin because, you know, most people think of him as this, you know, really, you know, well-known, well-spoken Ohioan advocate for the university. And yet he has a story to tell that mirrors quite a few other people. And it's it's jarring because, you know, you don't, you don't expect someone like Archie Griffin to have had issues. But once upon a time, he was just Archie Griffin before he was Ohio State's Archie Griffin. And obviously, you know, he had this this incident happen to him. And it probably, you know, deep down inside has scarred him for quite a long time. And, and I'm glad he's talking about it because when people like Archie Griffin, who is well known in the community, speak out about it and that's well respected by people in the community, I think maybe it, hopefully will allow people to pause and say, you know what, this is an issue because, you know, most of the time, I think a lot of people, you know, have a, have a, you know, a vision in their mind of what, you know, someone complaining about police brutality, you know, police excessive force or brutality looks like. And I don't think anybody would ever say Archie Griffin pops to mind when that, you know, when that comes to mind. And I'm glad he's telling his story because it's worth telling whether it happened five years ago or 50 years ago, it really is, worth telling you know i agree with what craig's saying brandon um i mean it is where we're at as a society it it, it troubles me though that you know when somebody like archie griffin says that everybody's like wow you know what a respected guy <clears throat> and then we look at what happened this summer with casey goodson jr who was an unknown person of color he gets shot and even though a lot of people are outraged and a lot of people are, are frustrated, you know, I, I mean, we still have an investigation. We have no idea what's going on with Casey Goodson Jr. Where, you know, it seems like there's a different standard, which is unfortunate. Yeah. You know? I mean, like that speaks to the intersection of celebrity and being yeah. a black American. Um, right. And just, it, it, I mean, like, in the soccer world, it blew up not too long ago when this uh, one of our one of the star soccer players who played in MLS for a little bit um, before um, went back to play in, over in Europe. His name was uh, name go by the name of Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, came out and said LeBron should just not LeBron James, you know, first right. favorite player of all time, uh, should should stick to sports, uh, should not speak out, and um, I mean that's just a terrible message to send. It's this is like exactly why LeBron should be speaking out. It's why Archie should be speaking out. They have a platform. They should be, they should be using their. And if they're comfortable, I mean, I'm not telling them what to do, but I just think you know, they they definitely have every right to though to tell their story and to tell and speak on behalf of of their of Black Americans because um, like that's that's how you raise awareness. That's how you you um, get the message out. And um, just would be a shame if you decide not to pursue that path. I mean, um, share that experience. Well, and some people out there would be like, well, you know, LeBron lives a different lifestyle now and everything. Well, if you hate or love LeBron, you listen to LeBron, sadly because of his celebrity thing. But, you know, LeBron grew up in the area where he saw trouble. 
he saw an inequality, and he's seeing an inequality with people he knows and everything. And it's unfortunate, but we're more likely to listen to LeBron than again, you know, the Casey Goodson Jr. or whoever the case that's that might be. That's the weird, weird things like oh, LeBron's lifestyle now. I mean, that's almost like saying LeBron, shut up, be an elitist. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are you talking about the little man? You're big now. Forget about them. That's such. That's like what the message that uh, they're saying. I don't get that. So. Um, I think it's great if LeBron wants to speak out for the little man. Well, and I said this before, but like again, if you watch the CPAC conference of the weekend, and I'd say the same thing about Democrats. You, you sit there, like CPAC, it's mostly a, a white rich audience. Okay, and yeah, that's a group of people. That's fine. I'm not ripping them or anything else like that. But don't look at these politics as, hey, this is what helps and everything. You, you got to make individual you know, personal choices and everything else. And I look at it, and again, take the politics out of it. How do we treat other people the way we want to be treated? You know, if it's, you know, personal color, if it's your coworker, or anything else, I think if we could truly start doing that, you know, I don't, sadly, I don't think racism is ever going to go away. I hate to say it, but I think as a culture, we're sinful and we're just, that's who we are. But it's out of control right now. And I think to make it a little bit more simpler is to say, let's treat others the way we want to be treated. And if we can do that, if we can truly do that, we're not going to have problems. Um, on Facebook, a parents of a pastor, and I love his family. I respect him very much. They were posting on Facebook the other day talking about, well, isn't white people people of color too? And I said, okay, we're all people, but we don't treat each other with respect. You know, and it's like, you know, watch what you're thinking, and you know, and they're not just thinking that; they're putting that out on social media. You know, like we are, like we're putting out what we're saying, and it, it's online forever. It's on your podcast player forever. You know, just treat each other with respect, and especially if it's somebody that's different from you in any way. Um, we we were talking at church the other day about well, how do you talk with people that you don't agree with? Well, you treat them with love and respect, no matter what you're difference of opinion are we we have to treat we have to care about other people like I, I you might be the most opposite different person in the world but if you can't love and care for each other why would any of your opinions be respected i don't know you know um brand loves it when i br- bring up people used to be on the podcast but there's a guy who was on our podcast for a couple weeks and you know, he's screaming about all this stuff. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, you're talking about faith. You're talking about all this other stuff. How will someone believe your opinions on faith if you're also saying the other crazy stuff you're saying? I mean, it, it doesn't make sense, you know? I, I mean, you know, he was trying to say how much he cared about me. And every time he talked about me, he talked about how horrible the media was. It's like, no, no, no. That's not how you talk to other people. That's not how you care about other people. And it, it leaves a real bad taste in your mouth and stuff. So, all right. Well, what, let's finish up with this. And we're not a sports talk show. Thank goodness. I'm a big sports talker. I, I thought an, another interesting story, um, <laughs> interesting headline. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I clicked on the headline when I saw it. Um, Urban Meyer, uh, former Ohio State coach. I got to say, I'm not a huge Urban Meyer guy. Um, Craig, who who was who's your buddy in Fremont that we had on? Uh, oh, the, uh, John Big Nut Peters, yeah. Yes, yes. I I, I kind of expressed my displeasure of Urban Meyer, and Big Nut thought I was like ripping, you know, somebody <laughs> holy. <laughs> Big Nut's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" But yeah, Big Nut. Well, Urban leaves Ohio State. Hey, I'm not feeling well. I need to be with my family. And a couple years. Later, hey, he's fine. He's going to Jacksonville um, to be the head coach. I, I thought it was an interesting uh, story of the weekend. Uh, one of the Columbus Dispatch writers sat down with Urban Meyer and got exclusive. It was, it was a good story. Um, Urban was talking about he almost did not want to take the Ohio State job because even at the time, Ohio State wasn't that great of a team. But still, it's Ohio State. I mean, it's like the – you know, the Cowboys of, you know, I mean, it's a, a big prestigious name. He got there. People were out of shape, disrespectful and everything. And he whipped up, uh, whipped them up into shape. Are, are you an Urban Meyer fan now, Brandon, after seeing the struggle of Urban Meyer? I mean, it was a really fascinating story and kind of really interesting tidbits there. I mean, just kind of like the fun tidbit of um, they thought the NCAA was going to 
when uh, on the sanctions and whatnot, the punishment for the tattoo scandal or memorabilia scandal, and they thought it was going to be lesser than what it turned out to be. And they were like, "I was when Urban's like, oh, should I, is there any way out of the contract? Yeah. Um, I mean, that was just, that's interesting uh, to hear that now. Um, I mean, I was in college at the time when that stuff was unfolding, and uh, I I was kind of a little taken back that there was, when he was introduced at a basketball game, that there were boos or something. Maybe at the athletic director, I think it said. But um, um, so maybe... To me, I felt like Urban's, when I was there, Urban Meyer's uh, announcement and arrival was kind of um, more of a, oh, this feels like we're getting back to form and getting, you know, back to, you know, how State program's going to be in good hands. And um, um, it, it sounded a lot more, a lot more of a struggle behind the scenes than it really came out at the time. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I found, found it more uplifting. It was just, it was, uh, it was a feel good story for me. I wonder if it's going to spark or even further spark a rivalry between uh, Columbus and Cincinnati because, you know, Brandon can tell you all day about uh, he doesn't like FC Cincinnati, you know, in soccer and he likes the Columbus crew. Well, it's fascinating from working, like right now I'm working with the dispatch as well as the Cincinnati Inquirer. And I've learned over my years of working with the Inquirer that, you know, hey, they want—they don't want to hear that much about Ohio State. Like you think of, oh, they love the Ohio State coverage because they're in Ohio. Ohio State has always been a, a big name, but they're like, no, we want to read about our Cincinnati Bearcats. You know, they're they're big college team down there. Well, their coach Luke Fickle was the coach of Ohio State before Urban Meyer came. And if you read that story, I mean, I don't think the story ever mentions I hate Luke Fickle, but a lot of the things that Urban Meyer was upset about is what Luke Fickle left him. Because remember, uh, you know, there was um, a time when Jim Trestle left. Uh, the program kind of went a little bit in disrepair. Fickle did his best to resurrect the program. But, you know, it, you know, they said, hey, you need to go somewhere else. But Luke was the guy in charge. So, Brandon, I'm wondering if there's going to be even more consternation between Columbus and Cincinnati because of this. I mean, like, I don't think – I don't think – I mean, Luke was just an interim manager. I, I don't even think um, – what are you supposed to do when you don't even know if you have the job or not? I mean, I mean, do the best you can. I, I mean, also there was, there's still, still feeling the aftermath effects of the scandal. Um, well, well, I, I think at the think, time Luke was stayed, and I think there was a little bit of frustration that Luke had when he wasn't able to stay. And I think, you know, he ended up going to Cincinnati. Now, to his credit, he really transformed Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati's turned into a really good football team. They were a top 10 team for most of the year. But there was always this, you hear underpinnings of, holy crap, if UC would play Ohio State again, wow, that's going to be a big deal. And I know at the end of the year with the virus, they were talking about trying to reschedule games. And there's some people saying, man, maybe we should have a UC-Ohio State mm-hmm. game. So I don't know. There's a big rivalry down there, Brandon. You guys stoke it with the hell is real rivalry in the soccer vein. And, man, what's going on? I mean, maybe there's a rivalry in other areas, too. Like, you know, I wonder how Ginther and John Cranley, you know, the mayors of Columbus and San get along. I don't know. Cincinnati has to win at least one more one game in modern history. The last time, according to a quick Google search, they beat. The two wins against Ohio, Cincinnati's two wins against Ohio State came in um, 1896 and 1897. So um, it, it's, it's a long way to call it a rivalry. They played, uh, what was what was the last time they played? I don't know if you, you've got that up. They played about maybe 10 years ago was the last time they played. Maybe it sounds a little more within the last 10 years, I would say. Yeah. Ohio, was, State, Ohio State won. It wasn't by a ton, but Ohio State won. I don't know. Kind of interesting. I, I don't know, Craig. Is Big Neck going to hear this and never want to listen to our show again? Or what? Uh, no, no. I mean, okay. you know, yeah, he does have uh, love for Urban Meyer, and, and, and many people do. But at the end of the day, he's moved on. Um, I, I don't really appreciate the comment that he made. I don't know if it was just like I – don't, I don't really appreciate that, that the, the message that he sent about, you know, Luke Fickle left him some sort of mess to clean up when Luke Fickle was literally the interim head coach for a year. And Urban Meyer has also left some programs in messes too, like Florida, where he left a lot of uh, issues to be cleaned up with, you know, 
just players getting kicked off the teams and things like that. So I don't necessarily, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any dog in the fight. I don't care about Cincinnati and I don't care about Ohio state, but I, I just, I kind of feel like that message is just another one of those things that he does where he kind of bad mouths everybody around him. And, you know, it, it took him all, but maybe what, like three weeks or something before he had a scandal at Jacksonville where he tried to hire a strength and conditioning coach that had a history of, of racism and issues at, you know, at, in college, I, you know, it, this is just kind of what he does. And I, I, I feel bad for saying that because I like Urban Meyer because he coached at my alma mater, Bowling Green, um, and really led them out of some dark, dark ages too. But, you know, this is kind of what he does, you know, scandal kind of follows him around at times. And I, I think that, you know, when you see what Luke Fickle's done at Cincinnati, he doesn't seem to be running a terrible program or seem to be running a program where, you know, the, the, you know, sort of the, the students are running the, you know, the, the team or, you know, people are getting in trouble and things like that. So I don't know. I just, I, I'm, this is a good story. It's a great, you know, it's a great read, but again, you know, Urban Meyer, he's always kind of been hit and miss with me. I, I don't I like him for what he did at BG, but, you know, he's, he's left some programs in disarray. He didn't leave Ohio State in disarray, obviously. Ryan Day, you know, took that mantle up and, you know, has really, you know, run with it. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, if he's already getting to having issues with, you know, things that are being done in the pro level, it just – it's par for the course, I think, for Urban Meyer and what sort of he's done throughout his career. Brandon, if you want to go down a wormhole, and this is more sports than I really care to talk about, Google Urban Meyer, Percy Harvin. He was a receiver on that Florida team. Aaron Hernandez. There's some crazy stuff happening at the University of Florida that was off the football field. And it was fascinating because those teams also had Tim Tebow, which was definitely the opposite of Aaron, yeah. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron Hernandez and Percy Harvin. It, it was, yeah. You, it's you Florida. Know. I think Florida. Yeah. I think that speaks more about Florida sports than. Well, probably Urban Meyer to some degree, but I will say, you know, it was funny. Trussell, when Trussell had like a history of scandal, it was kind of like, yeah. you know, like he had issues over at Youngstown State, and, and I think um, before going over to, um, and I think it's, and, you know, in these coaches' minds, you know, it's kind of like they they played fast and loose, maybe to some degree, with the rules on on certain things and. Thinking, you know, thinking like, well, this is the rule, but there's a lot of bending in those circumstances. I think that's how it's always kind of they kind of approach approach it because it's, you know, fo- college football is kind of lucid and fluid in some <laughs> ways about what's 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 acceptable and what's not. And then <laughs> it's kind of like you're you know, you're 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 uh, driving you're driving the speed limit on the road, but you sometimes speed and. For the most part, you get away with it until you don't. So right. um, with Urban Meyer scandals, his mostly kind of seemed to be, aside from the Hernandez players and situations like that, it seems like for since Ohio State, it's mostly been personnel issues that, yeah, you know, the culture's changed a little bit. And I think he's kind of been one of those people who's got blindsided by it a little bit, uh, right. you know, when as people's attitudes have changed about domestic abuse and um um, and then, of course, more more emphasis and more focus and awarenesses with with um, um, with the with the uh, racial injustice kind of issues um, with the latest Jacksonville Jaguars um, situation. So it's definitely a learning curve moment, maybe for him. As I'm not defending him, but I think uh, it is it is kind of an interesting how this. I'm just saying, like the last two Ohio State coaches there have their own scandals, and it's interesting how they are similar and and kind of almost could be different categories. Well, I mean, you can compare this to anything in society, like your job or anything else. I mean, Urban Meyer is somebody who's very loyal to people he trusts. And there's something to be said about loyalty. I mean, there's places or there's jobs out there where if you give the side eye to your boss, you're out of there. I mean, you know, and that's not even like major transgressions. But I think Urban Meyer took it too much the other way, which he was very loyal, which is good in some ways. But he was very loyal to people who he shouldn't have been very loyal to. I'll put it that way. You know, thinking to the uh, assistant coach thing in Ohio State, which started his exodus, uh, as you guys were talking about the the guy he tried to hire at Jacksonville. I mean, hey, I'm either loyalty, but but there is limits, and obviously 
he went over those limits. So well, people people kind of called him out on the loyalty thing for the Jaguars thing because yeah. he really did not. I mean, I, I'm not saying that he didn't know this guy because when you're a coach and you're in the profession, you know people whether you've worked with them or not. But I think someone kind of disproved you know this loyalty factor because he really hadn't worked with um, the guy that he hired. He really. He didn't really overlap with him at any school that he had worked at. You know, obviously the guy worked at Iowa, so I'm sure during Big Ten battles he may may have known him, or maybe he knows him personally more so than we know. But as far as the whole, well, I, I'm loyal to a fault kind of defense. No, I mean he really didn't know this guy. The Zach Smith stuff, you know, at Ohio State is probably the thing that he's most known for that went wrong, um, and that's probably the loyalty factor. But this this Chris Doyle hiring at Jacksonville was nothing. Not I'm not saying they're not friends outside of the profession, but they didn't overlap as professionals. Well, maybe there's a friendship involved, or maybe he always saw highly of him. Like, right, you, know, you, right. you look at a celebrity, you know, it might be a celebrity you've never known. They wouldn't know you from a hole in the wall. But maybe you say, hey, I always admired their work. I know they're involved in some crazy stuff, but I'm okay. Right. I'm loyal. And then one day you're finally like, oh, my gosh, you know, I can't like this guy anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like three, almost three different levels of loyalty. Our loyalty is to a celebrity we don't know. Our loyalty to someone we respect in the business that we may not know personally, maybe like loyalty as friends or loyalty as somebody that I've worked with before. So maybe it's even four levels of loyalty. I don't know. So it is. Yeah, I mean, he told, yeah, he, he told the NFL network and, and everybody that he vetted Chris Doyle before hiring him. Although, you know, Doyle, after 20 years with Iowa, parted ways with the program in 2020 after numerous players spoke out against him, you know, alleging racism and bullying. So, you know, what was the vetting process that, you know, you can answer the phone? I just, I don't know. And, you know, in the story, it says he's known Chris for close to 20 years and stuff like that. But then the real kicker was that he said it goes back to when he was at Utah and he was the number one strength coach. Well, that wasn't true. He was at, you know, Doyle was at Utah, but it was before Urban Meyer ever got to Utah. So, that's where I came in with the loyalty factor is that he made it sound like, yeah, he may, and I'm not saying he doesn't know Doyle, but the whole idea that he, you know, is loyal to Doyle for whatever reason and saying that they, they worked at Utah is just not true. Well, and even more than loyalty, it's how you evaluate people. Like if you're the manager or leader of a team, a group, a company, you've got to make the wise choices and, you know, Love him or hate him, I think we should raise questions about what choices Urban Meyer makes, you know? Kind of interesting. But I guess to close this up, it's another argument. We need to pay college players because we hold them to standard. We say, well, you get a free education. Well, that's important, but you're you're putting these guys in harm's way. You're It's a, it's an archaic system. There's way too much money not to play players. Put in the grant. You know, gives a grant to them as they leave college, but come, come on, it'll be good. Well, they, they will be paying college players within probably the next couple of years. Um, that is right. going to be happening, but obviously, you know, it's not happening right this minute, although right. obviously we know that some college players are getting paid, but um, well, you know. it's interesting. And and I'm, uh, I'm the nerd that likes this stuff, I like video games, and Really, was really excited to read about the um, college football game coming back. It's been away for seven years, and it's interesting. There are teams that are not taking part in the game, which is a avid college football video game player. I'm like, how could you have a college football game without Notre Dame? Is one of these teams, but they're saying we don't want to be in the game until you pay the players. So the hope is enough teams can do that. Where college football is like, all right, well, if we want to have a game. That you know has teams that people want to play. Maybe we should endorse paying the players right away. So it's actually an aggressive move that could end up in a good thing. So, all right. Well, hey, that's what we got for today. A lot, lots of interesting stuff happening. Um, so, so I guess we're pro min wage being increased, and we're pro anti Urban Meyer. I don't know. Pro <laughs> anti Urban Meyer. Good grief. We got to, and you know, we're doing kind of like theme shows on Friday. Uh, Brandon, we've it, we're still months away, but if we do another like survivor competition, we've talked about Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer might be in our next survivor competition, it'd be great. Oh gosh, 
<laughs> reach out. Or we really should reach out afterwards and to and say we want to do a show live at the at his pint house and oh, yeah. in and say so here we'll say only nice things or. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I don't know, and again, I'm not being nervous about the virus. I'm being realistic. I'm not sure when things are going to get back to normal, but things get back to normal. We need to meet up and do a live show somewhere. I'm not sure if they ever get back to normal. It, it, uh, the, the way we're going, Brandon, it might be after 25 years from now when we get a big gray Ohioan on her. Maybe that's where we do the live show. You know, I, I'm sure they have the ceremony. So <clears throat> when our kids are doing the Ohioan podcast and they're reading the story about dads getting the honor, you know, maybe we could do our, our live show then. It'll be good. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds good. Well, hey, the link to our nominations in there. So, yeah, nominees. Hey, sometimes it takes a while for us to get approved, but it should be good. All right. Anything else exciting going on? No. I was going to vent at the end about CPAC and Randy Ludlow, but I'm actually – I've already done that. So, I, I think we're good. So, yeah, check out our sponsors. Um, you know, they're, they're listed there on the links. Um you know, just subscribe. Thank you for the people who are subscribing. It's it's awesome. I uh, I was uh, messaging Brandon and Craig for the day on Friday, saying, "Man, we got more subscribers." It, it really uh, gets us excited, and we're excited about the support. Like I said, there's so much on right now. There's so many podcasts. We appreciate those of you who listen. Uh, tell your friends. We're I think we're the only Ohio news podcast out there, right? I think so. I I mean, you know, I mean, places like the Plain <clears throat> Dealer or Dispatch, they have their podcasts, but we're the only, I guess, non-official news organization podcast in Ohio. It should be great. So, well, well, thanks for checking us out. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Obviously, a bunch more stuff going on. We're anxious to see what happens. So, should be good. Now, uh, thanks for checking out Ohio, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. <laughs>